in a series of sermons from the book of Joshua. And again, chapter 1 was a two-parter, and chapter 2 will be a two-parter. So let's just read a few verses. And if you are not familiar with the book of Joshua, I want to encourage you, read the book. It's an exciting book, faith-building book, a lot of principles for living the victorious Christian life. But Joshua chapter 2 and verse 1, Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some um, the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came here, but but I don't know where they had come from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Verse 6 says, but she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, who you completely destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. And we'll stop there. We'll read the other verses next week. But we want to begin a two-part message on the legacy of Rahab. The legacy of Rahab. Again, we're in a series of sermons from the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is a book of conflict and conquest. You can't separate the two in this fight of faith. It's also a book that details the, the possession of the promised land, how God led them and gave them strategy and directed them how to take the land and how to overcome the enemy. And, and lastly, it's a book that reveals to you and I the spirit and the attitude that God will honor. You can read this book and see many men and women of faith and how God used them to do exploits. And you can take those principles and apply it to your life and see the same victory there. So, again, God's word to Joshua that we read these last few weeks is God's word to you. Joshua 1 and 9. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Can you say amen? And if you don't know that, I want to encourage you, memorize that verse, make it personal, make it your very own. Now, Joshua 
this great general of the faith was commissioned to do three things, and he did them well. Lead the people forward into the promised land. We've preached the last two weeks about advancing in Christ. We said that God's call to his people is not to go backwards nor stand still, but to advance, to achieve, to progress, and go forward in the blessing and in the fullness of God. Secondly, Joshua was commissioned to defeat every enemy that stood in his way. And you know, you can defeat your enemies with the same power and the same Word of God that Joshua had. You can walk through your life. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And because Jesus has overcome, so can you. So whatever you're facing today, don't be afraid of it. Don't be dismayed by it. Don't be intimidated towards it. But put on the whole armor of God. Take your stand, trust the Word, and walk faithfully into the victory. Somebody say amen. And lastly, he was commissioned to claim the inheritance that God had promised him. He was not running after selfish ambition or things he made up out of his own imagination, but he was claiming that which God Almighty had promised him. He was claiming like we are to be claiming the the privileges and the prizes of our great salvation. Jesus went to that cross, went to the grave, but the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't keep him. Up from the grave he arose like a mighty triumph over his foes. And he gave to you and I a wonderful salvation with marvelous promises and privileges. And he says, I've purchased it. Now you embrace it. I've won the victory. Now by faith you enter in and make it your very own. Let us be men and women that are claiming our inheritance in the Lord. Now this morning we look at Rahab. We're going to begin this story by the lessons from the two spies. And we'll just touch on her and next week we'll go much deeper into Rahab's faith and to all that Rahab represents to you and I. But this morning we notice some things about these two spies. Verses 1, we see Joshua sends out two spies to view Jericho in the surrounding area. Those two spies wind up lodging at the house of Rahab. Now the king of Jericho hears there's some spies in the land and they've gone to this certain place and he sends men to get them. He sends men to question her and, and she leads them in the other way. But we want to think about this thought this morning. How did the two spies ever find the house of Rahab? I mean, how did they travel throughout that whole region of Jericho avoiding the enemy? Jericho was a city about nine acres, you know, in circumference. And um, it it was a city-state. had a king. Like most of the nations in Canaan, they were small city-states. They all had their own king. And when danger came, all the surrounding villages, all the population would come into that main city so they could really be protected The walls of Jericho were maybe 90 foot high and 30 feet wide. And Rahab, like many others, had built her house right right into the wall, right into the wall. And and Rahab was the only believer in this whole city. And, And the enemy was coming. Israel was coming to attack them. And the only believer in an entire city. And that's where these men wind up going to. How did the spies and Rahab come together? I want you to think about that. Really, the only answer is the providence of God. That God had gone ahead of them. That God had worked before them. That God had prepared things in advance for them. You know, it pays to put God first in your life. 
It pays to seek ye first the kingdom of God. It pays to, to walk according to the Word of God and to be led by the Spirit of God. Now think about it. The only safe place in Jericho, the only person whose heart God had really touched and was ready to be converted, and that is where they wind up. At the most critical time, at that most crucially important time, God had gone before them. God had set things up right for them. And these two men, they're in the will of God. They're obeying the command of God. And that's what positioned them for the favor and the providence of God. I'll say it again. It wasn't just luck as the word would say luck. It's not just, well, you know, God. No, 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 no. These were two men that were in the will of God, obeying the command of God, and that positioned them for the favor of God and the providence of God. Seek ye first the kingdom, and then these things will be added to you. Amen? So we want to look at these lessons from these spies. You see, before these men ever arrived, God had orchestrated events. God had prepared hearts. God had arranged circumstances. And you know what? God works on our behalf just like that. Just like that. If you're here today and you're a faithful Christian, not preaching to the fly-by-nights, but to those that walk according to the Word, those that seek first the kingdom of God, those that are faithful in their service to the King, I want you to know in the same way God worked in the lives of those two spies, He works in your life. He goes before you. He sets the stage. He orchestrates events. He gives favor. God is an awesome God. The Bible says, Psalms 37 and verse 23, that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And He delights in His way. God says, if you're putting me first, I'm going to order and establish your steps and I'm going to delight in your way. I'm going to be happy over you. I'm going to rejoice over the life of my faithful ones. And I'm going to go before you. And I'm going to work out my good plan through you. I'll go ahead of you and I'll watch your hind at the same time. I'll cover you and I'll surround you and I'll go before you as you walk with me hallelujah it's exciting to realize the providence of God is at work in every one of our lives that is seeking the Lord Matthew 6 and 33 seek first that kingdom that is praying father your will be done in me as it is in heaven that are saying order my steps According to your word. It's a beautiful thing to know that God goes before us. That one that knows the end from the beginning. The one that makes the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. He's not just watching us. He's intervening in our lives. He's working out His good plan for His loved ones. Jesus walks before us. That should give us a comfort. That should give us a peace. Many things we can't see. Many things about the future we just don't know. But if you're walking with the Lord, you can be certain that He goes before you and He's working all things together for your good. Can you say amen? I came across this story. Many of you heard the, the, the fine preacher, um, Chuck Swindoll, Dr. Swindoll. Well, he tells about the time when he was back in the Marine Corps, back in the 1950s. And he says, we were on a ship heading um, towards the corner of Formosa, which is now Taiwan. And you could see about a mile off the, the, 
where the ship was to go, the harbor. And he says, we, they stopped the boat. And out from the mouth of the harbor came a harbor pilot. And he came and he took the wheel over from the guy that was, you know, the captain that was leading, the, uh, driving the ship here. And he began to weave us through the, you know, the pathless waters. And we're wondering, man, at first glance, what a waste of time, man. You can see it's just a mile down the road. You can see the harbor. Well, we have to wait through all this. We want to get on land. We're tired of being on the ship. He says, but as we looked overboard, more and more, <laughs> he says, the closer we looked and the longer we looked over the side of the ship into this crystal clear water, we could see why they did it. For they were mines that were randomly spread out beneath the surface of the water. He said, if the, the ship would have hit just one of those, I wouldn't be here to tell you the story. But the pilot of the harbor knew where every mine was located. You know, the pilot of our souls. Sometimes we wonder, why, oh God, are we slowing down? Why, oh Lord, won't you just let me do it my way? And the Lord says, sometimes I really got to take over the, the, the pilots. And I, as I see what you don't see, and I can avoid what you'll just run into. Oh, how good it is to know that God goes before us. Navigates us through the dangerous places. He'll, he'll protect us through the things that we don't see and we can't discern. Now, the English word providence, we get our English word providence from two Latin words, pro and video. Pro before, video to see, to see before. Providence to see before. Now, when we talk about providence in the context of God, we're talking more than just observing watching and knowing. We're talking about working and intervening and orchestrating. When we say God goes before us, we're not just saying that God's watching what comes, that God, we're saying God's working in our pathway, in the context. Again, God is not just watching us. God is working in our lives. He's arranging circumstances. He's directing our paths. He's intervening when we need to change gears or when He needs to become the pilot. And it says to you and I this morning that, number one, the Lord is always going before you and the Lord can see ahead of you. The lesson from the spies as we see how God directed them. It's the same way He directs us. One writer put it this way. Never fear the future when Jesus is your friend. Amen? You don't have to fear what you can't see. You don't have to fear the dark things. As long as you know the Lord goes before you. He'll navigate you. He'll steer you. The Lord is always going before us. He can see ahead of us. You know, over and over in the Word of God, we, we read those words that just inspire our courage, that just um, give comfort, that give us excitement about life. God says, I will go before you. Over and over again, he encourages the people, I will go before you like a consuming fire and I'll take care of your enemies. I will go before you and I'll move that mountain of opposition out of your way. I will go before you and I'll take you by the hand and I'll steer you in the dark places of life. What a comfort we have to know that our God goes before us, steering us, guiding us, guarding us. Secondly, the Lord goes ahead of us and He causes all things to work together for us. He, he works things so that His will 
will be accomplished in our lives. One person said um, about the blessing of God, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's called favor. It's the favor of the Lord that comes upon His people that obey Him and that walk with Him and that trust His good Word. Oh, friend, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful privilege to know that as I seek first the kingdom, as I choose to be faithful to God and really be a sincere believer, that God will be faithful to the faithful. And God will honor the sincere child who puts him first and strives to do God's will. God says, I will smile upon thee. I'll bless the works of your hands. I'll be a shield round about thee. I'll order your steps. I'll supply your needs. I'll anoint the works of your hand. I'll give you wisdom when everyone else is in confusion. I'll give you strength when everyone else is falling down. I'll bless you and I'll let you be a blessing. I'll make you the head and not the tail. I'll take you in my arm and use you as my instrument of warfare. Your life will be blessed and your life will receive and release blessing. It's a beautiful thing to walk with God. It's a wonderful thing to be a sincere believer and enjoy the blessings of the righteous. I read the other day a story about um, that, that great Yankee of old, Babe Ruth. Everybody remember Babe Ruth? Amen. Some are still around when he was, I mean, but you know, a long time ago, but, but, but the, 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 the Bambino, amen, the Sultan of Swat, that great home run hitter. Well, back in 1930, Babe Ruth earned $80,000 for that year. Whew, that's not bad. Now, he was asked by a reporter, well, what he, did he think it was fair that he received more than President Hoover did? And the babe's response was, he says, well, I had a better year than he had. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I like that. I said, you know, I said, you know, the person that puts God's first, you're going to have a lot of better years than the world's crowd. Amen. Well, you put Jesus first and seek first the kingdom and choose to live holy and separate. You're going to have a whole lot more good years than bad years. Can you say amen? Because God's going to pour out his favor upon your life. Because God honors those who honor him. He'll treat you like you treat him. Come on, say amen. I'm talking to the faithful. Fly by nights. You'll fly by night this morning. Come to the altar before you leave and make a fresh declaration. Fly by night no more. I'm getting serious about God. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm tired of walking with a God that did so much for me and I'm doing so. No, 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 no. It's a new day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, it's not fair. It's favor. Don't ever feel bad about the blessing of God. You, He's a good God. Amen. I never once felt bad when my dad blessed me. He always blessed me. I got it. You know, I've told you the story. I can't even I can't even tell my dad that's a nice jacket. He'll give it to me before I leave. Nice jacket, dad. Four hundred dollar leather jacket. Before I left, he had it in my car. I said, oh, dad, I didn't mean that. I don't want your jacket. I just want to tell you it's a nice jacket. But God's a good God. He'll bless him if you walk with him. Now, you'll fly by night. Now, that doesn't apply. The Bible doesn't say that to the faithful. He shows himself faithful. Say amen. Whoo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm feeling good tonight. To the faithful, I want you to know that God is working. God is working right now in your life. Often behind the scenes, 
often through avenues you might not see and right not recognize, but God is working right now for what you will face tomorrow. He's never caught off guard. He's never without resources. Oh, praise the Lord. And again, that should help you and I. That should help us trust the Lord with the things that we don't know or the things we cannot understand. That should help us to cast that care on the Lord, to really trust that situation to Jesus and know that He will take care of it. I love Psalm 121. It speaks about the continual care of our faithful and loving God. How the psalmist said, I lift up mine eyes to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And if you were to walk through that entire psalm, you would see how not only is God constantly aware of us, constantly watching over us, but it goes on to say, He won't let our foot slip. God says, I'll give you stability in your walk. I'll give you stability as you walk through life. There's many dangers, toils, and snares, but I'll give you stability that you won't be wobbling and falling over every time life gets a little rough, but you'll be firm in your walk. You'll be stable. You'll have a steadfastness. God says, I won't let your foot slip. Things will come that will try to knock you down, but you're not going down. Things will come that will try to buckle your knees, but you're made of better stuff. God says, I won't let your foot slip. I watch over you and I don't slumber and I don't sleep. 24-7, God says, I'm watching for you. I'm caring for you. Have a good night's sleep, somebody. God's staying up. Go to bed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. What's that next verse? We just read it. Oh, indeed, he who watches over. Somebody say me. Oh, well, neither slump. You've got to make this book personal. It don't do any good if it's your book. I need it to be my book. Amen? Indeed, he who watches over Israel, neither slumber nor sleep. Glory be to God. The Lord watches over. Put your name in that. Oh, my. The Lord watches over Joe. The Lord is Joe's shade at his right hand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The sun will not harm me by day nor the moon by night. 24-7, God says, I'm watching over you. I'm watching when you're at work. I'm watching when you're at home. I'm watching you when you're at Walmart. I'm watching you when you're on I-4. God knows we need someone watching us on I-4. Hallelujah. The Lord will keep you the Lord will keep Joe. The Lord will keep Keith. The Lord will keep on. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, it pays to serve the Lord. Amen. It pays to be a good Christian and sincere. What else does it say? Anything else? The Lord watches over. You're going out. You're coming in now and forevermore. Woo! I'm telling you, it pays to be a sold-out Christian. Those fly-by-nights can have it, not me. I want to walk with the Lord. Amen? This is too good to pass up. Woo! Oh, this is too good to pass up. You see, the enemy of our souls, he'll try to discourage. He'll try to hinder. He'll try to frustrate. But as we do our part, God will rule and God will overrule if necessary. God will work and God will unfold. Even more than that, we remember the words of Joseph. Genesis, the 50th chapter. He, the, the enemy, his own brothers had treated him so poorly. 
And the enemy had tried to divert him from the dream. Had tried to discourage him from the call. Had tried to keep him from possessing God's plan for his life. And, but you see that God can even use the ugliness of man to do his works. God can even use the attacks of the enemy to propel you to a greater place of victory. God is God all the time. He'll use, and Joseph looked at his brothers that had treated him so poorly, that had tried to do everything to discourage him and destroy him. But Joseph said, you might have meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, the fulfillment of His plan. I want someone to know when you walk with God, even the devil can't hinder it. Even hell can't resist it. If you walk with this God, He'll make His enemies give Him praise. He'll make the devil's crowd give Him glory because He's sovereign and omnipotent. And if you seek first His kingdom, He'll work His good work in your life. Say amen. It pays to put God first. Yeah, it does. It pays to put God first. The lukewarm, he says, I vomit them. Another sermon for another day, but it's in the book. Isn't that right? But all oh, the faithful, the faithful. Oh, you touch the faithful ones. Oh, you touch the apple of my eye. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Glory to God. These two spies. Oh, there's a lot of lessons here. A lot of lessons here. Because we are confident that the Lord goes before us, we can trust His guiding and depend on His providing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, my, my wife, she's like English major. Amen? Yeah, I, I don't do too good in English. Now, she said that should be guidance. I said, but honey, guiding rhymes with providing. Amen? I said... Anybody been under my ministry knows you don't come to learn English from Pastor Zeno. Amen. Hopefully, hopefully you get a little encouragement in the Lord, but if you come to learn English, you come to the wrong church. That's all I'm saying. That's all. And if you're worse off than I thought if you come here to learn English. But, you know, but, ah, I like it. You can remember it a little better with the rhyme. Amen. It really, when you know, when you know, when you know what the Bible teaches, that for the faithful, God is faithful, and He goes before us, and He defends us, and He works things together, we can trust His guiding and depend on His providing. Hallelujah. Trust is so many illustrations. Let me just give you two quick ones from the Exodus, from the two of them, of how we can trust His guiding. You know, the Bible says when God led them out of Egypt, there's a short route and a longer route. And you know what God did? He took them in the longer route. Because God knew better. You ever complain about the timing of God? Don't lie. You're in church. Come on now. I do it twice a week. Are you kidding me? We want things yesterday, brother. You know what I mean. I want those fries. Make it quick, bro. This is McDonald's. It's supposed to be fast. What kind of fast food? What part of fast food didn't you hear? You can trust God's guiding. It means you can trust His timing. The Bible says He took them out, and though it was the shorter way, He knew they weren't ready to handle the battle. He knew if he took them the shorter route. Instant gratification is not always the best route. And God knows what we can and cannot handle. So he led them a longer way to prepare them and to ready. I'm trying to tell someone you can trust the guiding of the Lord. 
the timing of God. He knows, he knows, he knows. But secondly, the guiding of the Lord, you can trust the navigating of the Lord, even when you are walking. I mean, this is why we've got to be men and women of the Word. Order my steps by thy Word. We've got to be people of prayer that commit our lives to God so that we can stay in step with God. You see, obedience is kind of like when you put up the sail on the sailboat and allow the wind to propel you forward. The wind is the grace of God. The wind is the providence of God. But if our sail of obedience and faithfulness isn't up, all the wind of the Spirit can't help us. Trust is guiding. That second illustration from the Exodus, how God led them seemingly, seemingly, into that impossible place where they were trapped by the Red Sea, the mountains, the desert, with Pharaoh's chariots hot in pursuit. Somebody would say, Lord, what kind of guidance is this? Who in the world is driving this bus? God is. And we would have looked at that and said, man, this is terrible. You drove us into a trap, God. God, how did you bring me to such a tight place? God, don't you know this is not a good place? God says, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, if you led yourself there, you're in a mess. But if God led you there, then look out. God's getting ready to do something special. God is in the setup. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I said, God is in the setup. If you're in the will of God, you can rejoice and be exceedingly glad. God that brought you there won't bail on you there. If He brought you to the place, He's got a plan for you in the place. His faithfulness is great and His mercy endureth forever. In that place that seemed like there was no way out. God said, I put you here because I'm getting ready to do something to Pharaoh that is long overdue. I'm going to judge him. I'm going to deliver you and I'm going to bring my good promise to pass. Somebody say amen. You can trust the guiding of the Lord, His timing and His navigating. So many examples in the Word of God that encourage the believer, that encourage the Christian trust the guiding hand of a sovereign Savior, knowing that His love and His wisdom and His power is at work in the leading of our lives. Psalm 32 and verse 8. Psalm 32 and verse 8. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel over you and I will watch over you. Oh my goodness. This is to the faithful. God says, I'll instruct you. God says, you don't have to be in darkness. You don't have to be in confusion. I'm not the God and author of confusion, but I'll instruct you and I'll teach you and I'll counsel you and I'll watch over you. I want you to know there is no better counselor than Jesus and His Word. Amen. Oh, there is no better. He's a wonderful counselor. Hallelujah. Look at Psalms 48 and verse 14. Psalms 48. Oh, this is beautiful. Could could you do the the New King James on that, please? Hallelujah. Glory to God. There's just one little word in there I like. For God is our God. Let me read it to you. For God, this is God, our God, forever and forever. He will be our guide even to death. Oh my. You know, time might come when I don't, I'm not who I used to be. But God says, I'll be with you to death. 
There might be a time when I'm not even sure what's happening so much. And I've got to rely. But God says, I'll be with you till death. This God is our God forever and forever. And he will be our guide. Oh, my Lord, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I'll guide you to the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can trust his guiding because I understand providence. I understand the promises that he goes before us. That he watches over us. I can trust his guiding and I can depend on his providing. It's been said, it's certainly not new with me. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. When I can't depend on anyone or anything else, we can always depend on the Lord. Somebody, God's going to see to it. If you've done your part, if you've been faithful to do what you can do, then rest secure. The Lord will take it from there. Somebody, you got to hear this. It's like Abraham when his son says, Dad, where is the lamb for the offering? And he says, Son, the Lord will see to it. God will take care of it. We're just going to do God's will. We're just going to walk in His way. And we're going to trust God to do the rest. God will do what you can do but you've got to do your part somebody as long as you know you've been faithful then rest peace be still God will take it from there God will do the rest the battle is the Lord's battle and the gun that called you is the one that will deliver you he that began a good work in you he shall complete that work depend on his providing You know what? That's what hinders some people from obeying the guidance of God. I know God's telling me. I know I can. If you you trust his guidance, you can depend on his providence. Did God say go? God said go. When you get there, there'll be a ram in that thicket. Amen. God said go. There'll be a little widow woman that says, I I got a stick and a little bit of meal. That's all it's going to take. It's all God needs. He don't need much, just a little obedience. Amen? God doesn't need much, folks. He just needs our obedience. He don't need us to to come up with a miracle. We just have to obey what we can do. Can can you make one little meal and give it to the prophet? If you can do that, you got it. Next two years, you never have to go to Walmart or Publix. Forget it. You stay home, and God's going to deliver it right into your barrel. But you got to obey God. you got to be willing to trust His providing and lean on His guiding and obey His commanding. Amen? That's why you got to put that depend on His providing. But some people, that's what hinders their obedience. That I know God said go down this road, but blah, 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 blah. I, I, I can't see how it's going to work out. That's not your problem. Your problem is to obey the leading of the Lord. As you walk down that road, trusting His guiding, you can depend on His providing. When you need it, it'll be there. He says, I am that. Can you say Amen. What is it you need? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Jesus said, I am that. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Don't lose any sleep. Just walk. Just walk. Just walk. Sing the praises of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The two spies teach us that if we just obey what the Lord tells us today, the Lord will work out all the details in His perfect timing. If you act on the light that you have, then God will take care of the rest. Secondly, that if we do the known will of God today, God will reveal 
his own unknown tomorrow. Faithful and little, I have to be faithful to obey what I know to do today. Staying in step with God. But if I'm obedient to the known will of God, then God will reveal the unknown. Number three, that God, who has been faithful in all of your yesterdays, won't be forgetful in any of your tomorrows. Can you say amen? Now, this point we close. If, if you're a sincere and faithful Christian, you can have a heart of complete rest and confidence for our God is faithful to the faithful. Can you say amen? Now, point two, I just want to give you an intro here. The two spies, now Rahab's faith. Rahab's faith. You know, we begin chapter number two speaking of the providence of God. But now chapter number two really gets into the main emphasis, which is the mercy of God. The mercy of God. You know, this first story that the book of Joshua gives us is a story of God's mercy rather than God's wrath, which is interesting if you know the book. This, the book of Joshua is primarily a record of conquest and judgment. Not to go too deep on it, but God had given them four, five, six hundred years to repent. The people of the land hadn't repented, and finally God said, it's done, it's done. They'd reached their point, and judgment's coming. But it begins with a beautiful story of mercy and salvation. The first thing we'll notice, and notice we just set the stage for next week, how Rahab's faith stands out. Now, now listen, don't lose your faith. Guard your faith. Feed your faith. Shine and stretch and exercise your faith. The, the, you, you can lose a lot of things in this life, but if you lose your faith, you lose everything. Amen? I remember Jesus said, Peter, Peter, Satan's asked to sift you as wheat, but I'm praying, and I'm praying that your faith fails not. So keep your faith. With your faith, you can grab a hold of anything you need. And, and next week, we're going to look at how Rahab's faith was a changing faith and a courageous faith, a confident faith, a concerned faith. Her faith in God, demonstrated by her action and her confession, saved her and saved her family, totally transformed her life, her heart, her destiny, her eternity. Oh, folks. They, they asked, they asked that, that, that billionaire, um, John Paul Getty, and back in the 60s, he was known as the richest man in the world, founder of Getty Oil, and they asked him one time, What's your formula for success? And he said, my formula says, rise early, work late, and strike oil. Strike oil. <laughs> I thought about that. I said, you know, there, there are a lot of things that an oil well could solve. A lot of problems striking oil would solve. But you know what? There's some problems even an oil well can't solve. And that's where faith in the living God comes in. Amen? Now, I'm not going to throw back an oil well. If you've got one you'd like to donate, we, we'll accept it. I'll put your name on the gusher, amen, but we'll take it. But, but I recognize, as wonderful as an oil well would be, um, even an oil well has limitations. But faith in God, faith in the living God. You see, genuine faith in the living God still transforms lives. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things 
have become new. And we see in this story, we're going to get to this next week. Really, I'm, I'm five minutes here, but we're going to really get into it deeper. You don't want to miss Rahab. If you've never read her story, you want to read her story. We're going to see how God honors and God uses even the worst of sinners because faith in the living God transforms hearts and transforms lives, makes a person brand new, brings them a deliverance from an old kingdom into the new kingdom, out of the darkness, out into the light, out of shame and into sanctification. And Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. That's why we can understand how the Apostle Paul always boasted when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Because man, when someone believes this gospel, the power of God is released to change their lives, to transform them. And we're going to see two things, and this is as we wind down. We're going to see her faith, prostitute, her faith. The Amorites were some of the most wicked people on the face of the earth. It was nothing for them to burn their babies in the fire. We think we're wicked in America with what we do. The wickedness is just, and God's going to take a prostitute. But God is going to transform her life. Number one, there's a saving faith when you put your faith in the resurrection. Look at Hebrews 11 and 31. Hebrews 11 and 31. It says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab. Because she welcomed the spies, was not killed but those who were disobedient or unbelieving. We see how the the, the present condemnation and the future judgment was taken away from her life. But she put her faith in the living God. Faith in God spares us and saves us and transforms us. But let me go a little farther. Not only does faith in the living God, not only does she have a saving faith, She had a legacy-transforming faith. And I want you to see this, Matthew 1, 5 and 6. Matthew 1, 5 and 6. I just want you to see this, and then we're going to start closing down. You've got to see this. You've got to see this. You know, if you and I wrote the Bible, we wouldn't write it like God. I mean, would you put a prostitute in Jesus' family tree? I wouldn't. Would you be proud if there was a prostitute in your family tree? I'm just saying We'll be honest here. I'm talking about the power of faith to transform lives. I'm talking about the mercy of God that will blow away the mind. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was, mother who? Rahab? The prostitute? The one that was still telling fibs? Rahab? Boaz, the father of Obab, whose mother was Ruth, Obab, the father of Jesse. Jesse? I remember Jesse. The father of King David. You mean this Rahab is going to be great-grandma of King David, the man of God's own heart? Now, if we were going to keep going and all these begats, you know, you know where we're going to end up, don't you? Joseph, Mary, Jesus. This is Jesus' family tree. You mean faith in the living God could take a person from the vile darkness of devil worship and wicked living into a place of holiness and honor and, oh, a legacy that, oh, my God, I'd like to be in that family tree. Amen? Wow. Isn't the mercy of God an awesome thing? Isn't the grace of God an awesome thing? 
This ought to encourage us to share it. This ought to encourage us that when we see people, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or how many times you've fallen. Jesus loves you. And if you come to Jesus, he'll make you brand new. He'll give you a new beginning. He'll give you a new lineage. He'll take you out of that old tree. He'll put you in a new tree. Glory be to God. God, Hey, God doesn't care about someone's past. He wants to give everyone a glorious future. But you've got to come to him. You've got to put your faith in him. You've got to give him your life just like she did. It's amazing. We're going to see this. We're going to see this as we study how Rahab's faith, oh my goodness, it saved her from the coming wrath, but it grafted her into that beautiful lineage. She's in the family tree of Jesus. She got to go to those family picnics. Great, ah, great, great grandmother of King David. Can you imagine that? How you could go from such darkness to such honor in such a short period of time. How? Faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, wow. From the wicked, vile Canaanite gods to the true and living God. From a life of shame to a life of great honor. How can this be? Faith in the living God changes things. Faith in Jesus Christ changes things. The Bible says it so well, Romans 5 and 20, for where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Next week we're going to go deeper into the life and the legacy of Rahab and the different aspects of her faith. Faith was a transforming faith and a courageous faith, a confident faith, a compassionate faith. One thing I like about Rahab, she wasn't satisfied just to get saved. She bringing in her whole family. Amen? She, she wasn't just satisfied. Woo, I'm, I'm not going to be judged. No, no, no. She said, I want my whole family in on this. Amen? Until we get our family in, we're not done yet. Amen? Until we pray every one of our family in, we're not done yet. Amen? We've got to get them in that house. We've got to get them in. Get them in. There's safety from the judgment. Oh, Lord. Amen. We're going to say our final prayer, sing our final song. If you need special prayer this morning, when we begin to sing, you please come down. And we'll pray with you and we'll believe God with you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll trust God. I'll touch you. He'll heal you. He'll fill you afresh. If you just want to spend a little time at the altar, just talking to the Lord, just thanking God for his providence, just thanking God for the times he's gone before you and he's worked things out and he's orchestrated events that you didn't even know there were landmines in the, in the road and God had steered you and God had blessed you. If you just want to take some time and bless the Lord, that'll be good. But if you'd stand with me, please. We just want to pray our final prayer and then just open our altars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The two spies, God guides and God provides. And that's the comfort of the Christian that's walking with God. Someone says, I'm so nervous about what's coming down the road. Have you done your part? Then rest. It's not an excuse for for not being faithful. But if you've done your part, then rest. Amen? As we are faithful, seeking God. Walking by that word, we can rest. We pray, Father, I thank you for the peace and the encouragement we get through the story of these two spies. And Father God, I pray right now that many unnecessary fears, anxieties, stresses would just melt away. And peace, comfort, and rest would just descend upon the hearts and the minds of your people. 
as they've been reminded through your word that you are taking care of them. You never sleep, you never slumber. And though in the natural we might look to the future with questions and uncertainties, we can trust you. You will go before us. You will defend us. You will guide us. You will provide for us. Father God, this day we cast our cares on you. We take this burden that's been keeping us at night and we're giving it to you, Lord Jesus. By faith, we're going to give it to you and we're going to trust that you're already working things out. You're already going before us. You're already touching hearts and orchestrating events. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful that you lead and care for our lives. You know, we thank you in advance for this coming week where you will work things together for your people where you will bless the faithful with favor and with grace. And now, O God, by your Spirit, O Father, move powerfully during this altar time. Father, in the name of Jesus, by your Spirit, heal those that need healing. Refresh and fill those that are hungry and thirsty. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this altar time. By your Spirit, let your gifts flow. Let your Holy Spirit speak to hearts. Let lives be transformed as we draw near to thee and look to you in faith. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, sing this song one time through. And if you need prayer or you want to pray, come on and God's going to touch your life.